Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahead of Brentford's clash with Manchester United, I was fortunate enough to sit down and have a chat with journalist, podcaster and Man United fan extraordinaire, Harry Robinson. Harry is an authoritative voice on all things the red half of Manchester and we spoke on topics including Manchester United's team shape, uh, Ralph Rangnick's appointment as interim manager and the player you may or may not have come across in the last few seasons, a guy called Cristiano Ronaldo. Enjoy. So Harry, hi, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Very good, thank you. Nice to be on. So, Man United, no major talking points, a club running along nicely and keeping itself well out of the headlines. <laughs> yeah. Have you been able to enjoy the season so far? Yeah, it's been a yeah a bit of a roller coaster. We, I mean, in fairness, we've had some great moments, especially in August and early in the season. Um, some really memorable moments as a United fan at Old Trafford, fans being back at the ground. And then, uh, yeah, we've, all, we've also had a couple of bleak months uh, all the good mood that was built up on the Ole kind of seemed to disappear very quickly quicker than it had ever been formulated uh, a run of very bad results and I think a lot of anger and then a lot of sadness in the end but I think the clubs moved on fairly quickly and I think in quite a nice it, it was dragged out for far too long and much longer than it should have been but when it actually happened I think Ole moving on was done in a very nice way and it, it, it's let everyone move on quite quickly. And we've got a, a, a good interim manager now, which means a bit of hope again. Um, even if there's kind of a realisation that things will take some time to improve. Or we might see kind of improvements very quickly. And I think we did against Crystal Palace on Sunday. But it might take us a while to find consistency in that improvement, I think. From the outside, the club just comes across as this huge ongoing soap opera. But instead of updating yeah. its cast and like coming up with modern actors, it appears to fall back on old glories, desperate for that sprinkling of former gold dust, but not really knowing how to quantify it. Is this rudderless about to end with Ralph Rangnick? Uh, I, yeah, I hope so. I think so. I think it's a, um, it's a nice analogy, and I think yeah, I think that's often fair. I think in truth, I think there's a lot of people at United, and and certainly the vast majority who are like really good at their jobs, who are innovative and creative, and and not only that, but also desperate to see the club back winning major trophies regularly and working very hard to achieve that. People in in every department of the club, but there has been a string of decisions made over the last eight years and probably the eight before that actually the last 16 years of Glazer ownership that have left United in this way uh, I think fading upwards is what some people would call it in, in some cases and um, yeah in terms of the, the history and falling back on old glories yeah we've certainly done that um, it's not like we should discard our history because it's incredible and one of the great football 
histories and, and completely unique in many ways and something to be so proud of. And I think all United fans are so proud of it. But you you can embrace your history and remember its importance without kind of relying on it and falling back on it. And as we have come close to doing recently, almost tarnishing it and ruining it by failing in the present day. And we can't let this kind of rut go on for much longer. Otherwise, that history starts to look less impressive and more like a, it becomes a bit of a joke for, for many people. Um, and yeah, as for changing on the Ragnick, it's, yeah, it's a it's a great appointment. I think we could see it change. It's not guaranteed, but he's, he's made a very good impression so far. He's exciting. He talks very well. He, he certainly inspires confidence as a fan. And I imagine as a player well as well. And he's got a, a good track record. So yeah, there's, there's certainly room for hope. So we're all now used to like lots of talk around underlying numbers and um, <clears throat> it can be easy to pick and choose different sets to suit like whatever narrative you're trying to put across. But it is hard to escape yeah. some of the off the ball numbers, like top quality modern day teams are putting up, like the pressures, the zones they occur in, how they're trying to win the ball back, like trapping teams, generating shots from these moments. Man United are lacking in this area. Is this just down to inferior yeah. coaching or are we really looking at a set of players that are maybe thought of higher in the uh, in regards to their actual on-field talent, maybe? Uh, no, no. I mean, United have a brilliant squad and, and the players are great. I think in some instances, um, a lot of these players kind of came into the team and have played under two managers. And I'm talking about Mourinho and, Van, uh, Mourinho and, and Solskjaer. Um, Mourinho gave certain things to certain players and improved some of them. And Solskjaer did that to a lot more players. But the... The great thing that the, the, the thing that Solskjaer was good at, he improved lots of players: uh, Shaw, Rashford, Greenwood, um, McTominay, Fred, in, in for, to a certain extent, um, Maguire in patches, Lindelof, lots of players. Um, but he improved players in in two ways: one with confidence and, and good man management, which was one of his real strengths, and, and still is if he goes on to get another job. Uh, and the other for four, I think he he helped players with kind of specific things. So he'd train and help Mason Greenwood as a former striker on his heading ability, on uh, choosing when to kind of on so- shot selection, when which shot to choose at the right time, and and trying to shoot through the defender's legs to make it harder for the goalkeeper. That kind of improvement. I think what these players haven't had is a really astute tactical mind. Um, so what you're referring to, yeah, so a lot of these players probably aren't as good in that regard and, and people don't recognise that that's because of what's happened over the last six years. Um, the, the only thing I would point out is that I think there's a lot of, and this is something Michael Carrick pointed out in, in kind of his short time in, in, in caretaker charge, but there's a there seems to be this idea that any good football team has to be kind of an intense pressing team. And it's just, it's just isn't true. It's the current trend in football, definitely. And it's what the successful teams do. And so, yes, it makes sense to want your team to be kind of a high pressing front foot, uh, intense, energetic side. But it, it's not essential to play like that. You obviously have to win the ball back to get the ball and then to score. So, of, of course, you have to press at point in any football match. But there's often this idea that any team that presses is a good one and any team that doesn't is a bad one. And it's just not true, I think, as Carrick pointed out. I think journalists have, in some cases, kind of just latched onto it. And and it makes sense because the successful teams are doing it and because I think partly your team can lose, but if they press and, yeah, if they're pressing a lot during the game, it's not as annoying when they lose because you've seen them make the effort. I think that plays a part. But, yeah, you don't have to be a pressing team to win just as you didn't have to play like... 
Barcelona in the 2000s to be a good team or, or you didn't have to play total football in the 70s or the 90s while Ajax were doing it. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers, as you spoke about in terms of winning the ball back, trapping teams, creating chances from, from pressures, yeah, the numbers were bad. I think the main concern was that Solskjaer was, he'd speak about pressing, about being a pressing team, but you wouldn't see it on the pitch. Um, but ultimately, I think I think the downfall for him came when he tried to change how United played and make us a front foot team. Um, and I think that change became around because of the signings of Sancho and Varane first and then Ronaldo. Um, and maybe if Varane hadn't been injured as much as he has been, then maybe things wouldn't have fallen apart quite so quickly. But yeah, Solskjaer kind of changed to try and fulfil that expectation to be a front foot pressing team and he just wasn't able to execute it. So now that Rangnick is secured, uh, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? I mean, as you mentioned at the outset, we are recording this just after your win against Palace. Brentford have just drawn 2-2 with Leeds. You've got a tricky Champions League tie against Young Boys and then you play Norwich before we meet. How are you feeling about the rest of the season? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know really what what to expect. I have no idea. It's a new manager to the league, new manager for United, obviously, but as in a new manager who's never managed in the Premier League before, never managed a club the size of United who are playing in every competition, even if we're out of the League Cup. Um, And yeah, I'm just interested to see how it goes. It's, It's exciting and interesting, that's for sure. In terms of kind of obviously expectations can have two meanings what am I expecting I don't know what am I wanting in that sense uh we should win something because the squad's good enough to win something it's very expensive it's got lots of great academy talents in it we should win something whether that's the FA Cup or Champions League depends on how well things go on the Rannick depends maybe whether we sign anyone in January depends what draws we get whether we get some fortune in that Depends whether we get a lot of injuries or not, loads of things. Um, and then as for the league, we should be getting into the top four again because people were kind of expecting a title challenge at the start of the season. Uh, I think me and my co-host on my podcast said the the aspiration should be not to, obviously aspirations should be to win the league, but the expectation should be to still be in the title race at the end of April. Obviously, that that's very unlikely to happen because of the start of the season form. Um, but yeah, we've got to win something because the squad's great. Yeah, you've just alluded to transfer business and um, January looking forward and um, <clears throat> improving and adding to the team. But I just want to go back to the summer transfer business. Um, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho could potentially be losers and winners under Ralph Rangnick um, or his interpretation of the game. But another two players I'm really interested in are Aaron Wan-Bissaka and um, a player that moved on to Leeds, Daniel James. Um, what, do you, what do you think? About, we'll start off with Ronaldo. I mean, he's just obviously the, the big talking point for United. Um, just really dangerous yeah. in front of goal. We know how lethal he can be in and around the box. Um, but was his purchase sort of leaning on the heritage side instead of clear tactical inclusion? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, on the other hand, he's clearly a brilliant player and an amazing goal scorer. And the the boost he gave to the club upon signing, not just, I mean, partly for the fans, yeah, but more important, I think, is to the rest of the players in the squad. It was like, oh, we signed Ronaldo now, we should we should be going and winning the title. We should be going and winning the Champions League. Obviously, other factors meant that that kind of feeling quickly disappeared. But also in the academy, everyone was excited. Even in the women's team, everyone was excited because Ronaldo was coming to the club. Um, so, yeah, it was leaning on heritage, certainly. I think that's one of the big factors, but also he's a great player. And the, 
what he gives you aside from on the pitch stuff is is the, the mentality side of things um of which he is fantastic i think uh, yeah there's been a lot of conversation around him i think the fact he came late in the window didn't really help at all because there was no time to kind of prepare the team for him he's obviously a player you have to build your team around rather than kind of plonk him into another system uh and i think part of the reason part of the failure from Solskjaer was not getting united to play to ronaldo's strengths so a lot of people saying he doesn't press much fine you can say that but i mean a he can just in short spurts and only when necessary to to maintain some energy and b we yeah we just weren't playing to his strengths not in terms of uh, in terms of defensive stuff but we weren't crossing for one of the great finishes and headers of the sport we were kind of I mean, no one really knew what United's plan was in attack. Um, I think when we signed him, it was the big hope was for for me was Champions League because that kind of is his competition. Uh, and I actually think Solskjaer kind of thought the same thing that Ronaldo would play every Champions League game and help us try and win that. And then in the Premier League, he would sometimes play, but not every game. He was rested against Everton. He was brought off a couple of times. I think when we started to lose then he, he didn't stick to his guns and played him too much. But yeah, we signed Ronaldo for a large part because of the history. Um, but yeah, there's there's nuance to the the debate around his, his influence on the team, certainly. Yeah, the others I picked out because they're quite interesting tactically and um, the ones that stand out to me. Jadon Sancho was the second. Um, a little bit about him, like he was a beautiful player to watch at Dortmund, um, can do anything he wants in the final third. <clears throat> Has Ralph yeah. Rangnick been brought in to maybe harness some of like or, or yeah harness a little bit of what he produced in Germany and the understanding of how to get that into the modern game in in England yeah. um do you think there's a little bit of weight there yeah yeah I think so um his start's been uh, yeah I think a bit underwhelming but he's created loads of chances and I think I think most people most sensible people didn't expect him to suddenly come in and light everything up straight away he was uh there's been some kind of commentary Recently, where people have been saying, why did United bother signing Sancho? They had Greenwood, they had Rashford, whatever, which is insane because for four years now, we've, I mean, even longer than that, really, um, probably half a decade, we've been saying we desperately need a right winger because we've had Rashford and Martial on the left um, and plenty of other players like Memphis in the past as well and and Di Maria. Um, But we we didn't have that natural right winger who could give us a balance to our team. We were always we'd always be overloading on the left and then teams which could work if you then had the threat on the right but obviously we didn't have the threat on the right because we had Wan-Bissaka with no one in front of him Um, so teams could kind of just think all right well we'll defend you against you on the left and we'll just leave your right hand side alone because we we don't think it's a threat so we definitely need a right winger and then Sancho's been yeah it's taken a while to settle in I think I, I said when he Signed, I thought it would take until at least November for him to look like the player we knew he was in the Bundesliga. And as you say, it was amazing to watch. Just this like thrilling player you could tell from the South London cages, just full of flair, full of pace, just so set on scoring and assisting. And that's what he always talks about is hitting, like just getting as many goals and assists as he likes. And I like that determination. Um, and yeah, that's taken him for a while. As for what Rannick will do with him, I think, yeah, he'll, he'll be playing kind of in a in a system more similar to what he was playing at Dortmund, or not necessarily a system, but like a style of play more similar to what he was at Dortmund. And he's clearly got the, the tactical discipline because he showed it at Dortmund as a 
uh, kind of he'd be key in, in their defensive setup as well as in their attack. So I expect we'll see that coming in. But yeah, Rangnick should be good for them, I think. As, as a place in the squad as well, I guess you could view him as maybe correcting a, a mistake of purchase in Daniel James as well. That's, that's how I look at it. If you're look- A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Maybe what you've got in your squad. But James went on to, um, he went to Leeds to work under Bielsa, a signing which I think yeah. Bielsa wanted to make for a while. Um, James always baffled me because we, Brentford fans and lower league watchers would have seen him a lot for Swansea whilst he was there and seen what, what a raw player he was and saw some deficiencies in his game. But to me, they were those deficiencies would ne- should never have allowed him to move up to a level of Manchester United. And that's just something baffling about the recruitment. But that's um, a personal view that I, I hold. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you think... Uh, do, do you think that was sort of symptomatic of, of where you were going and some of that misaligned recruitment strategy? And now, obviously, he has been sold on to Leeds. He's gone. He's been moved on. Um, where where were you on him? What was your opinions on that? I, I thought he was a good signer. He he obviously didn't have the, the quality that you'd expect from a starting winger for United, but he wasn't signed with the intention of making him a starting winger. He was signed. He wasn't even signed with the expectation that he'd play for the first team that much in his first year. And, and both him... And Solskjaer said that at the end of his first season, that he came and he scored on his debut, then he had a few off games, and then he started playing well again um, and having a, a real big influence. And, and that meant that he stayed in the team. And I can't remember how many times he played in the first season, but it was far, far over what anyone expected, including the person who signed him and including himself. Um, he was signed to be a good squad option and more importantly than that, uh, a good player for the future that kind of could be moulded and improved before he became a regular first team player. I thought it was a good signing because he was... United were at a point where we'd signed lots of great players and they hadn't played well. And that cannot, you can obviously put that down to coaching failure in certain, uh, in certain situations. Probably you can do that with someone like Memphis, for example. But also you you can you can blame um, Memphis and Di Maria. They have both had kind of 
character faults that meant they didn't make it at United. So we, we had players with lots of quality. What we needed was a manager and a squad which properly came together um, and, and was hardworking and young and energetic. And that's what we got with Solskjaer for the first 18 months at least. Um, and James was a key part of that. I thought he was a good sign. He was a very good option. That being said, it, it was completely right to sell him because we'd realised he wasn't good enough for United. And in the past, we've been too nervous and too sentimental in, in our selling strategy. But this was good. I think we missed the option that he gave us. He was incredibly hardworking, incredibly quick, obviously, um, and and kind of helped us in, in big games when we sat back and he was a very good presser and very good counter-attacking option. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the right decision to sell him. You also spoke about South London cages and um, it brings me on to my next point of interest. Aaron Wambasaka played at um, Palace and um, was really impressive there for a number of years before being plucked out to, to move on to Man United. Um, Diego Dallo's made quite an impression since coming into the team in the last few weeks, but... Um, that right side has really been held down by Aaron Wambasaka, and it's just a—it's just been a, a sad watch, culminating in this last like sort of period. Um, he just feels like he's been going backwards over the last few years. Um, he's got the body and the physicality and the and the raw materials to be one of the best fullbacks in Europe, let alone England. Um, I, I, why do you think it's gone so gone so wrong with him, or are you even of the opinion that it has gone wrong with him, or where, where do you stand on Aaron Wambasaka? Yeah, it's it's been disappointing because he's he clearly has some great attributes and his tackling is just incredible. Just I mean, it still surprises me after a couple of seasons of watching him at how he can win the ball back. Um, I think he was progressing very gradually as an attacking right back under Solskjaer, not as an attacking right back, but in terms of his attacking quality. And and what's strange about him is. He's just so clearly a confidence player, and that's why I think we see we've seen this kind of spell of, of poor reform. Um, and yeah, he can be much better in the attack, but I think it, it does just often depend on his confidence. If he starts a game and, and very early on takes someone on and, and takes someone on successfully, he then kind of looks great for the rest of the game. And he's actually had some games where he has been a really valuable attacking option for United and he's been crossing well, he's been crossing with both feet, he's been taking players on. Obviously, as, as he said, he's another graduate of the South London cages he's got that skill in his in his locker um he has that quality but if he makes a mistake he then looks too nervy the potential is there um I think defensively his tackling's obviously amazing his positioning's probably not good enough um but yeah the potential is there and he's he's still young enough that he could have a year kind of out of the team training and improving and learning and he could then come back and boss it at the peak of his career I think people forget that with footballers because I think because of the way football's covered now, it's kind of if a player's out of the team for one game, it's a huge deal. But actually, as we've seen with Luke Shaw in the past, um, and of many, many other players in the recent past and much further back, you can go out of the team for ages, but come back, learn and do very well. Um, and I think that's what you have to hope for with Wamasaka is he can get some confidence, he can learn, uh, improve his positioning, um, but also improve uh, what he does in attack. Yeah, I think that's a good moment to move into a bit of team shape as well. And um, Aaron Wambasaka comes into that with sort of back threes, back fours. And um, where, do you, where do you think this is going like moving forward? What do you favour? Are you a 4-3-3 guy or are you a strictly 3-5-2 or 3-4-3? 
Rangnick could narrow things down. I think we saw a little bit of uh, that in the Palace match, maybe something like a four-two-two-two. Where do yeah. you stand? And maybe even thinking about how someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka could um, contribute to that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we saw the four-two-two-two against Palace, and I liked it. Um, I think it's something we could have maybe predicted with with Rangnick. Um, I'm I'm kind of one of those football watchers who will happily just kind of defer to the manager on this. He's obviously going to know better than me. Um, I prefer to kind of comment on what I see from the formation than suggest what should happen. Um, I think, yeah, I think Ole was too averse to changing up, and and he was good at, at changing formations up and springing surprises. In the first probably two years as United manager, he did, for example, he, he doubled up the left backs in big games against City and Chelsea, played three at the back, and then had Brandon Williams and Luke Shaw left back with short kind of that left centre back role. Uh he played with a diamond sometimes, he played with split strikers sometimes. Best example was uh away at Spurs at, at Wembley, which must have been uh January maybe twenty nineteen, must have been. Um possibly twenty twenty. Uh but yes, I, I I think Ole did that at the start and then was too averse and the truth is this United team can play loads of different systems because there's a lot of options. Um but yeah I'll defer to Randy on, on what he'll go for. I'm not a strictly any kind of formation. In terms of three at the back, I don't think it's, it's, it's certainly not. Obviously, Chelsea do it as an option. And it, I think Chelsea do it and it makes their centre-backs look very good um, in the same way that Chris Smalling looked like a great defender under Louis van Gaal because we basically sat back and all he had to do was defend and then when things opened up a bit, he looked less good. I think that's happened. Obviously, England play three at the back, I think, for exactly the same reason. It would be, you you hide your centre-back's weaknesses, don't you? Um, so it would be possible for United. But when you've got brilliant wingers, I'm not sure it makes sense when you've got like wingers like Sancho and Rashford and Greenwood, if he plays wide, and, and Ahmad coming through and Anthony Alanga as well. Uh, I'm not sure it makes sense. It, I think our centre-backs would look better. And Shaw is also a decent left centre-back. But in terms of the right-back as well, there, there's another reason you probably don't want Wan-Bissaka at right wing-back. Dallow could play there, but he's not been reliable enough for United, even though he's had a couple of good games now. So, yeah, I think there's lots of options. I'm not sure three at the back is the, the ideal one. I think we'll we'll probably see a, a four-man defence. And 4-2-2-2 looked good. I think 4-3-3 has, has significant potential in this United setup. Yeah, uh, watching Palace or watching bits of the Palace match, um, seeing how advanced Lindelof got up the field, which I found that quite interesting. It's hard to know how much Rangnick's stamped onto the team yeah. already, but him stepping across, across the halfway line was, was quite interesting and something that stood out to me. But um, yeah, we'll watch that with a keen eye um, prior to the Brentford match. Um, are, are there any bees that have caught your eye this season and who you think could pose you a bit of a tactical problem? Um, I've not watched you enough this season, to be fair. Um, watched a bit last season and obviously have seen a bit this season. Um, I've, I really like Brian and Bermel, um from last season, but he's also obviously he's playing very well in the Premier League. Uh, I, I think um, I think most people would think Tony would have scored more goals than he has after after last year, but he seems to be playing playing very well in terms of his general game without scoring. And Bermo's obviously hit the post a stupid number of times. Um, and, he, and he's also playing well. Uh, yeah, I, I, probably, I, I haven't watched you enough to know who would cause us tactical problems. Um, I think you might be able to tell me, but if I could probably tell you our weaknesses and you could probably tell me better. Um, yeah, I, I mean, our weaknesses are 
I mean, if you practice your corners before you play United, you're going to hurt us anyway. You can crowd David De Gea at them, you're going to hurt us. If you direct your crosses to the back post when you counter-attack and, and, tar- and kind of float them to the back post where our defenders are probably not in the right position, you'll hurt us. If you And this is a recent thing. I think against Palace, we saw that, that kind of Ragnick swarm where you force the team out wide and then you kind of pin them in and use touch liners an extra defender um, and, and try to win the ball back like that. The key, if you're the opposition, is obviously to, if you can, get the ball out as far away from that kind of overload of pressing players as possible, diagonally across the pitch. So if you do that against United and you have someone quick, I guess possibly in Burma or Tony uh, or Sergi Canos or whoever, whoever's been playing on the left or right wing for you at the moment, then, then you'll hurt us as well because there's obviously that space when we send so many players over to press. Um, yeah, so you could probably tell me better who the who the threats in in that case would be. I'll keep that to myself for now, Harry. Um, <laughs> how's the squad's injury list looking? Is it um, is it as lengthy as a Harry Maguire bar bill? Yeah, it's um, it's an unfortunate one for us because Varane, Pogba, Cavani are probably the three biggest misses. Wan Bissaka's had a little uh, arm injury recently, but I think he's back. But yeah, Varane, Pogba and Cavani are three massive misses for us. I think especially Varane. You could say especially about all of them, actually. They're all obviously incredible players and Cavani's such a good bench option. Varane's such a reliable defender. And Pogba, when he's at his best, is amazing. Although he wasn't in the period before he got injured, so he's not been missed too much. Uh, in terms of other injuries, Luke Shaw's been, I mean, barely been fit all season with a series of knocks and then two concussions in a row, which has been very unfortunate for him. Basically missed the whole of November with concussion. Uh, but I expect he'll be back for the Brentford game. He'll probably play in one of the two games before against Young Boys or Norwich, uh, hopefully. And then, then we'll be back for the Brentford game. Whether he gets in to the team straight away, given Tellers has been playing all right, I'm not sure yet. Uh, in terms of other injuries... I can't think of any, so should be should be a full full selection of players other than those four: Varane, Popper, Cavani, and Shaw. A strong deck of players that are out there. Um, yeah. But finally, just as we start to round things up, where do you where do you think this game's going to be won or lost? I think you mentioned um, Man United's frailties from set pieces, but um, is is this just going to be down to the quality and mood of Man United on the day, or do Brentford have a bit more of a chance than that? Uh, I mean, you're a good team, so you've you've got a chance, and you've you've beaten other good teams. But yeah, I, I think it's down to how we play, really. Uh, I'm not sure in the with the greatest respect, even Brentford at their very best would not beat United at our very best um, because we have a much more expensive and better squad with better players. So yeah, we should win. If we turn up properly, we will win. That's kind of how it should be, given the respective quality of the two teams. As I said, there are areas you can hurt United on. We weren't clinical enough against Palace. Um, and I think they weren't particularly good on the counter-attack. I thought Zaha was really disappointing. Had they been better, they probably would have beaten us, even though the reaction to that game was one of, wow, look at what Rennick's done and look how well United played. Actually, we could have lost that game if Palace had played better, I think, and taken their, their one chance with Jordan Ayew. Uh, on the other hand, I think if we'd scored early in that game, we could have won it 3 or 4-0. That's just kind of the way football goes. Sometimes you talk a lot about you can talk a lot about tactics and stats, but sometimes it does come down to whether you take that early chance and then the momentum of the game shifts. Um, so yeah, there, there are areas we can hurt United on, as I said earlier. But if we turn up properly, we will beat you. Brilliant stuff, Harry. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, 
yeah, please let us know where you can find some of your great stuff online. Um, Man United Academy stuff, um, your podcast. Uh, yeah, so I, I do some Academy stuff for the United website and yeah, the Manchester United weekly podcast I host with uh, Jack Tate every week on a Monday, which we'll be recording shortly after um, I leave you to it. Yeah, that leaves us to say thank you very much to Harry. Um, yeah, remember there's hundreds of ways to support content creators these days. Beast Tactical have a Kofi page and like the Man United Weekly podcast, there's also a Patreon where you can support and help make sure what they do continues. Um, thanks again for Harry. That was brilliant. And um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.